We're going to talk about that verdict in the Freddie Gray trial. Officer Edward Nero was found not guilty. The surprising verdict, well, not so surprising. No one found Baltimore Police Officer Edward Nero's not guilty verdict this morning surprising. But if you listen to the families of the officer and of Freddie Gray, excuse me, uh, he is the young black man who Nero was accused of assaulting, both lauding the judge who handed down the decision, and nobody saw this coming, right? Nero released a statement saying he and his family were elated with the ruling. The Gray family attorney, Billy Murphy, too, applauded the decision, saying, you can't convict people unless you know the evidence. And the judge, Barry Williams, he said he followed the law as he saw it. After a bench trial, Williams found Nero not guilty of all charges in connection with Gray's death last year. And Williams took 20 minutes to read the decision to a packed courtroom, a near-capacity overflow room, and Nero nodded when Williams said there was no evidence to support each individual charge, tilted his head back in relief, Officer Nero did at the time, after that judge read the verdict. Then he put his head down and sighed. So that we are clear as to the players here, Officer Nero is one of six charged and the second to be tried in this case, the case of the death of Freddie Gray. He was accused of second-degree intentional assault, two counts of misconduct in office, and reckless endangerment. He was one of three bike officers involved in the initial police encounter with Freddie Gray that day back in April of last year. The officers involved and charged are Lieutenant Brian Rice, Sergeant Alicia White, Officer William Porter, Officer Garrett Miller, Officer Edward Nero, and Officer Caesar Goodson, Jr. Now, there were about a dozen or so protesters, just a dozen or so, who surrounded and chanted at Nero's brother when he left the court, and sheriff's deputies escorted him into a parking garage. The verdict drew mostly outrage on social media, but actually praise from both police and even an attorney for Freddie Gray's family, because it brings, they say, just a sliver of resolution, not only to this case, but to a city that was seethed with unrest over the death of that man, Freddie Gray, last year, 25 years of age, a prisoner. There are four more officers that are slated to take place and to have trials. Some people with the evidence that we read just as being members of John and Jane Q. Public feel that one or two of those officers specifically probably won't have the same elated day in court and might be sobbing differently, but who knows? Lieutenant Jean Ryan, who's president of Fraternal Order of Police Lodge Number 3, said in a statement that Officer Nero was pleased with the verdict but concerned that five other officers, his good friends, must continue to fight these baseless, he says, accusations. Ryan accused state attorneys Marilyn Mosby of leveling charges not as the product of a meaningful investigation but as a response to the riots there in Baltimore after Freddie Gary's death. And in the process, she destroyed six lives, Ryan said, as well as the relationship between the Baltimore Police Department and her office. Quote, none of these officers done anything wrong, Ryan said. Officer Nero is relieved that for him this nightmare is nearing an end. Being falsely charged with a crime and being prosecuted for reasons that have nothing to do with justice is a horror and the no person should ever have to endure what Ryan said in his statement. And then there was a statement from Nero's lawyer echoing some of the same points, also using the word nightmare to describe the prosecution of his client. 
Quote, the state's attorney for Baltimore City rushed to charge him, as well as the other five police officers, completely disregarding the facts of the case and the applicable law. Officer Nero is appreciative of the recent judgment that Judge Barry Williams applied in his ruling, and that was from defense attorney Mark Zion. Nero's father, Edward Nero Sr., told a CNN affiliate WSVN that the verdict was a victory not only for his son but all police. He said, quote, I believe it allowed the police officers to do their job, and if he was found guilty, I believe many officers would have been hesitant to do the right thing when it came time to dealing with crime because they would be afraid to be prosecuted. Now, a police statement said Nero will remain on administrative capacity during the investigations. And they won't be completed, by the way, until every officer stands trial. And that would be at the end of the last officer's trial once it ends. And that's because officers may be called as witnesses and even co-defendants in these cases. Now, Billy Murphy, who was the attorney for the Gray family, Freddie Gray's family, actually applauded the judge. He said, quote, as an African-American judge, quote, he did not bend to that pressure from the black community, many of whom wanted to see Nero convicted as an emotional response to Gray's death. Now, the family may not be pleased with the verdict, but they said they respect the rule of the law for the officers in the van. And they are the ones that should have placed a seatbelt on him. It wasn't clear if Nero had received orders or even training on securing prisoners in transport vans. In her closing, the prosecutor cited statements in which Officer Nero and his partner both used the word we to describe putting Gray on the ground and handcuffing him. Nero's partner, Officer Garrett Miller, testified that he detained Gray himself. The state compelled Miller, who was awaiting trial, to take the stand against Nero with immunity, meaning his testimony cannot be used to incriminate him at his trial. Bledsoe also told the court that Nero ignored a general order for officers to secure suspects in vans with seatbelts. Defense attorney Mark Zion said in his closing argument that Nero acted legally and that handcuffing someone who ran from the police was the right thing to do. They said that uh, Nero and Miller used the term we because they considered themselves a team. The only time Nero allegedly touched Gray was when the suspect asked for his inhaler. The defense argued there was no proof Nero had read an email about the seatbelt order and that the state had failed to show he had a duty to secure Gray. Zion said it was the responsibility of the van driver to put a seatbelt on the prisoner. Prosecutors said that Gray complained of having trouble breathing and asked for medical help as he was driven in the van. When he arrived at a police station, he was unconscious. A week later, he died at a hospital from his spinal injury. The four officers left to take the stand to be tried are Miller, Lieutenant Brian Rice, Sergeant Alicia White, and Officer Cesar Goodson, Jr. And the trial for Goodson, who was the driver of that van, starts June 6th. The case against William Porter, who was the first officer to go on trial, that ended in a mistrial in December. Jurors could not agree on his verdict. When I first saw this, when I saw that there was a mistrial for William Porter and I saw that there was a an acquittal today. I was upset. I wasn't entirely surprised. But just hear me out. I'm not on that jury. I'm not in that city. I have access to what you do. The information that we are given through the media. And media sources that we may have being in the media. And I have to say... I will be dumbfounded to the point of wanting to bang my head against the wall if the two people driving that van, in that van, with Mr. Gray, are found not guilty, are acquitted. I do believe it was the responsibility, in my opinion, of the people in that van to secure him, to provide the inhaler or medical attention when requested, and to check on their 
prisoner. And when they heard the thud, and when they see that he is not well, to take care of that human being, because even in custody, even hell if you're in death row, cruel and unusual punishment is against the law of this land. Whether you're a cop, and whether you're arrested, and whether you have a record or not, and, and certainly regardless of the color of your skin. So I have some questions for you in this hour. Do you think the six officers in question for the death of Freddie Gray in the end will all be found not guilty? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. And of all the officers, if you know the case, and maybe not the name, but what they did or didn't do, which of the officers has the highest rate of being found guilty, in your opinion? If any, 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543 is the number. Now, posts on social media show mostly disdain for the verdict in the Officer Edward Nero trial that commenced uh, ended today. Do you think most individuals need someone to be accountable, held accountable, for Freddie Gray's death? They need a guilty verdict on one of these cops. 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Freddie Gray died from spinal injuries after being shackled without a seatbelt in the van. Should Officer Nero have been charged with reckless endangerment for not putting a seatbelt on the victim? 8886 Leslie, 8886537543. Or did he feel the shackles were enough? Was he not trained? Or was it the responsibility of somebody driving the van who would know what needs to be done with prisoners being transported in such a van since you're part of the, quote, van patrol? 8886 Leslie, 8886537543. Does it seem that these cases are always all or nothing with the charges against the defendants? How come people are never found guilty on lesser charges? You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, not second-degree murder. Let's just throw everything out. 888-6LESLIE-888-653-7543. Now, the van driver is Officer Goodson. His trial starts June 6th. Do you think it is he that stands the biggest chance of being found guilty? Because Gray died while in his custody. 8886-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Prosecutors have said Freddie Gray complained of having trouble breathing, that he asked for medical help as he was driven in the van, and when he arrived at a police substation, he was unconscious. Did Officer Goodson flat-out ignore Gray's request, and should he be found guilty? 8886 and the other officer in that van. 8886-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Black Lives Matter initially protested the death of Freddie Gray. Have they done enough and should they do more? 8886 Leslie, 8886537543. And will Baltimore riot again if none of these officers is found guilty? Will Baltimore riot? Or will the riot take place on social media like we saw today? 8886 Leslie, 8886537543. And how can we stop the deaths of unarmed men, black men in particular, at the hands of police officers? 8886-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. You tell me, America. I'm Leslie Marshall. I want to hear from you. Your opinions, questions, comments, and concerns up next right after this. 8886-LESLIE. Talking about the Freddie Gray trial verdict, second trial of the second officer of six. One mistrial, one acquittal. Four more officers asking you questions, how you feel about this verdict. What do you think will happen if all six are acquitted or if there's a mistrial for all six? If nobody's found guilty in Baltimore, what do you think will happen? And who, if anybody, do you feel is responsible 
for the death, directly or indirectly, for Freddie Gray. 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543 is uh, the number. Uh, let's go to the calls in New York. Jane left us. Jane, give us a buzz back. We know how it is there uh, with uh, the uh, cell phone hell. Let's go to Alan in Eureka, California, line one, listening on KGOE. And, uh, Alan, I understand you are a prosecutor, right? You're an attorney who prosecutes cases. I, I'm an attorney now. I'm in private practice, but I'm a former prosecutor. Former prosecutor. So thank you for taking my call. Thank you for joining us. Love to get your take, not only as a you know citizen, taxpayer, somebody with an opinion, uh, but as somebody who knows the law and used to prosecute for a living. Absolutely. And, and Leslie, and I'm very much in the camp that the verdict was correct. We don't want to be prosecuting police officers for the concept that if they made a mistake in arresting uh, Mr. Gray, I mean, that's the first aspect, and I think you highlighted the judges uh, uh, not accepting the prosecutor's argument on that. Uh, law enforcement officers are human beings. They do make mistakes. And when mistakes are made, you know, that the purpose of the uh, criminal justice system is to bring those mistakes uh, to the attention of the judiciary system, and then uh, hopefully the correct and proper decision will be, will be, will be handled. So uh, the, the idea that, that by uh, somebody that should not have been arrested and now we're going to be criminally prosecuted police officers, I'm very much not in favor of that. Okay, hold, 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 your, th- hold your thought. We've got to take a break, and I want to hear more from you. Don't go away. Can you stay with me a couple more minutes? Great. We'll be back with him. We'll be back with you right after this. We've got a line available, 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Don't go away. Mother, mother, there's too many of you to cry. Brother, 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 there's far too many of you dying. Talking about the second officer's trial in the death of Freddie Gray. Let's go back uh, to the calls. And if your phone goes out, uh, please give us a buzz back. We are aware of who of you was on the line and, uh, you know, whose phone went out. We're back with Alan in Eureka, California, who is a former prosecutor. He is an attorney, no longer prosecutes, but he used to. Uh, he is listening on KGOE. Alan, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Before I continue on uh, and have you continue on, I want to ask you a question. Um, yes. do, do you think then there was an error in the arrest of Mr. Gray, although not criminal necessarily, just a, an error, a mistake? Yeah, I, I you know, I, I haven't followed it entirely closely. I do remember reading about that portion of the case in the beginning, and I do believe that it, there was an error and, it, and, and that there was not probable cause to properly arrest Mr. Gray. I remember that coming out, and I remember that being important. And uh, and so, yeah, there definitely was an error and there definitely was a mistake. I don't think that that, again, lies to, uh, rises to the level of criminal culpability. But, yeah, I think that that was not in dispute. Okay. So let's uh, talk. Okay. We talk about the, uh, the arrest. Now let's talk yep. about the death of Freddie Gray. Um, yep. Alan, do you feel – so you agree with the verdict today. Do you, do. Fe- do you feel from the information that you have as an attorney and a former prosecutor that all six of these officers should be and will be acquitted, or do you feel that any of them has any responsibility, uh, even indirectly, to this man's death? I think it's going to be a really, really hard uh, challenge. I think that uh, what I recall uh, is that they've gone with the two of the stronger of the cases, which, as you talked about, uh, the officers that were responsible for not securing Mr. Gray properly in the van. So they went with the heaviest of the cases, thinking that that, that would make it uh, more likely maybe that some of the officers uh, might decide to plea bargain their cases. But I think that the fact that they have not been able, albeit the first one was a 
was a uh, was a hung case and that they've not been able now to get a conviction in front of what is called a bench trial i think it's going to be very difficult to get a conviction wow at all at all yeah okay but, but what are the laws reg- regarding somebody saying like you know they need their inhaler or they need medical attention well, I think what the, the key issue for me in the case is what is called criminal negligence versus ordinary negligence. And criminal negligence is it's a mens rea. It's a guilty state of mind. In other words, it's one of the elements that you have to have in a crime. And it is the lowest uh, uh, guilty state of mind, lowest criminal culpability that we have. Um, and so if you're criminally negligent, you can be responsible for somebody's death or for, for a violation of some other law. Uh, if, if, it, if it was appropriate, versus ordinary negligence. And ordinary negligence is the same standard that people are held to, you know, when you're involved in a vehicle accident and you, uh, you, didn't, you, you didn't see the light had changed and you strike somebody and you, you cause injury and you can potentially even kill the person. Uh, but ordinary negligence is not a level of criminal culpability, and it just screams for this really being a civil case as opposed to a criminal case, which I believe, of course, it actually has gone that route, and I think the family has received the settlement. But I think it's, I think you, it's prosecutorial overreach to say that, uh, that just because they were negligent, which I think you can clearly say they were, and the fact that they settled without a trial uh, makes them all of a sudden criminally culpable because that's a much higher standard. And I don't think we want to give prosecutors that much power to be holding ordinary citizens, uh, you you know, for uh, their negligent acts. Okay. Anything else that you wanted to share with us today? No, I appreciate the opportunity, and, and I, you know, and I I just hope for peace. Um, You know, I have a good friend who lives near Baltimore, and uh, he was, you know, that was a very tense time when there were those riots, and I'm glad to hear that people like Elijah Cummings and and uh, the leaders in Baltimore are, are, are urging for calm, and I, I just hope that there's peace and people respect the judicial process uh, regardless of how it works. Okay. So, uh, so, uh, sounds good, and uh, appreciate your call. Call us again. It was, uh, good I, I will do that, Leslie. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Good to hear from somebody um, with uh, that uh, perspective. Oh, sorry, my crew had a, a question. Um, they don't understand how the van driver shouldn't be held responsible of a second-degree manslaughter. I would agree with you on that charge there, Marky Mark, if you're the one who posted that. It because, was me, yeah. Because if I was in a car and you're my passenger... I would think that somebody might get second degree manslaughter for such. Yeah, even and that's if, if you're a passenger. Right, that's what I'm saying. And you're not. You're, it's yeah. not like a police officer. Yeah. And you're you're somebody it's in their custody. Gray, gray had no choice. Right. And you're being held. You know? Right. You're innocent until proven guilty. Uh, let's go back to the calls in Wisconsin. Line three, listening on iHeartRadio, is Joe in Madison. Hi, Joe. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Hey, how's it going? Good. Um, you know, I, I'm going to give you a different perspective. I'm actually going to give you the ex-con perspective versus your uh, the prosecutorial uh, perspective. Um, I spent I spent some time in prison, and uh, I just had a couple questions for the you know the, for the prosecutor that that thinks that that it isn't uh, that they aren't negligent or that they aren't criminally negligent. And I guess they, you know is he suggesting that the the officer that says that he didn't get training in the uh, in the use of the seatbelt is he suggesting that an, that an officer of the law isn't aware of seatbelt laws like that that he didn't know how to snap the guy in? And I'm not saying that he would be the one that should be held responsible. I do believe that the people that were driving the vehicle should be held responsible. Me too. Me too. Um, and and I think it's absolutely ridiculous. But it doesn't surprise me one bit that a prosecutor doesn't believe that police should be held responsible for their mistakes. And and and. He, he makes the claim that, you know, that would be giving 
prosecutors too much power over people's lives, and I would submit that they already have that power and that they use it far more liberally on the general public than they do ever holding an officer of the law responsible for something that I, don't, I think rises to a criminal you know, the guy asked for his, he, he, he looked like he was in distress on the video that I saw. And, and he obviously asked for help while he was in the van before, during, and, and couldn't after, because by then it was that, it was too late. Like you said, if anybody was, if you were driving the vehicle and you acted in the same way and that was your passenger, you would be held criminally liable. So I don't understand his, I don't understand the point that he would say it would be such a hard push. And, but it doesn't surprise me that a prosecutor wouldn't wouldn't push the buttons of the police because they have to work hand in hand, and no prosecutor, when it comes time for election, wants to say that the police aren't behind them. What do you think about that? Well, I, I think you have some very valid arguments, and I agree with you on those. I, I don't think nobody's responsible here. I mean, I, th- I think it's, by the way, human responsibility, but especially if somebody's in police custody, um, to have medical attention. Absolutely. If somebody is an asthmatic Absolutely. to have their inhaler, and like you said, hey, look, look if I get stopped and my seatbelt is an honor, my kid's seatbelt is an honor, I don't have my kid in the car seat, and I'm their parent who loves them and gave birth to at least one of two of my kids, then for crying out loud, I'm, you know, somebody's going to, take something away from me, whether it be my license or my afternoon or evening. Um, and, and, and even if and, there wasn't an accident that happened, they might do that. You're, 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 you're at least going to get a ticket for it. Yep, I agree. I agree, I agree, I agree. And um, also, one more thing. One, and wait, I, wanna, I know you want one more thing. Go, go ahead, ask me one more thing, then I'm going to ask you one more thing. <laughs> I, just, I just had one more thing to, to add. that I, I saw an, an instance where when I was in prison, uh, a man that, that I was locked up with was in... Uh, he had a, uh, a diabetic seizure or, or something went wrong with his blood sugar, and he was in a cell across from mine, and he, he, he pressed the button for help, and they came down the hall, and they were, they, were, they were looking into the cell, and everybody knew that this guy had a problem. He had a diagnosed history of, of diabetic issues. They made him, not only did they not believe that he was having an issue, they made him crawl to the door so that they could cuff him before they would even open the door. And the guy was so incoherent, he could barely understand what was going on. And when they did finally get him to the door and cuffed him, they opened the door up and dragged him down the hall by his feet. So anybody that thinks that, you know, people who are in a a position of power won't abuse that power, don't treat people unfairly, it's so easy. It happens so easily. I, I never would have believed it. I would have thought that, these people go home to their families every night, and they wouldn't treat anybody any different. But I've seen it firsthand, and it's, it's truly unbelievable what people will do when they're in a position of power against people who have no power. Okay. Um, one last thing I want to ask you, or two. Um, when you were incarcerated, and I'm glad that you mentioned that because this went in line with my question that I had another one to ask. You know, if you have an inhaler, and you need it, or you're having medical issues, it is the responsibility of the prison, and specifically the corrections officers, to get you that medical attention, correct? As, absolutely. Absolutely, especially if it's not in your possession. So if you're having, if you, if you have, say, medication that's held at a desk, and you're having, a, a, you know, sometimes, say, uh, nitroglycerin, and you're having a heart attack or something, and they don't allow you to hold that medication in your cell, it is absolutely on them to get you what you need. Now, that's if they take you seriously, because a lot of times, like I said, that guy, even though he had a diagnosed history of, di- of, of diabetes and, and problems with his blood sugar, 
they they still didn't care. They they basically it was they just wanted him to prove that he was having a problem. And where's the guy going to go? He was already in a cell inside of a locked building, inside of a locked fence, in there by himself. But you know they just like I said they they don't take a lot of I, I think they don't take things seriously as seriously as they should sometimes. Okay, and one last thing. Um, is there, uh, well, if, if you, do, do you mind telling me what you were in prison for? If you're uncomfortable, you don't have to answer. No, no, it was, it was for drugs. Okay. Um, I got, I was convicted for, uh, for, uh, possession of, of a large quantity of drugs back in the late nineties. And, uh, I did, uh, three years in prison. Do you think that because you committed crime or been involved in criminal activity and then obviously got caught and spent time in prison and now you're out, that there is a us and them mentality between people who have been involved in crime and police. In other words, whether Freddie Gray or whether these cops were innocent or guilty, are they guilty in the minds of someone like yourself, or would you say most of the individuals, the men that you serve time with, in your opinion? You know, I would, it wouldn't surprise me if most of the men that, that, that I did time with would automatically think that these guys are guilty. I like to think that because of the things that I've seen and because of the life that i live, that I try to be as unbiased as, as possible. Like, I don't, I don't believe that any of these guys meant to kill this guy. I do believe that in their day-to-day things, they get frustrated, and, you know, they probably deal with, you know, combative person after combative person, and I think that they intended on giving this guy a hard drive and, and, and teaching him a lesson for, you know, for questioning their authority or for running. I think that's a really a big button thing is, is running from police, so, you know, that might have been what really tripped their trigger, but I certainly don't have that mentality. I, I do believe that it more... It happens more on the other side. I believe that, that law enforcement has an us versus them uh, perspective more than the criminal aspect does. Just because, you know, just by the way that they're willing to protect one another, even when nobody's attacking the entire police force. Nobody's, nobody's saying that every officer is questionable or, or has done something, you know, questionable or done something criminal. But when they do do something, it seems like the rest of them just coals ranks around them. And in my eyes, that, that's justification of what they've done wrong. You clearly know this guy has stepped outside of his bounds. He's done something wrong. But because you feel like you have to protect him, you know, to me, that, that it, it's, it's worse on that side, in my perspective. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate you being so candid. And uh, no, absolutely. You, you didn't have to be. We're going to take a break. When we come back, more of your calls. If you're holding a tight, you want to join us, look at the phone and do so. 888 uh, 888-6- What? Hello? <laughs> What's my phone number? Uh-oh, guys. Is it time to put me out to pasture already? <laughs> 888-6-Leslie. No, you're just going to live on a farm. 888-6-Leslie, <laughs> 888-653-7543. Tweet me, follow me on Twitter back after this. Hey there, happy Monday. I'm Leslie Marshall talking about the second acquittal of the second officer's trial in the death of Freddie Gray just a little over a year ago, last April of 2015. Um, let's uh, read some tweets here. Feel free to follow me on Twitter and post there at Leslie Marshall. Jeff tweets, guns play or real at police. Uh, don't burn your neighborhoods down. Another tweets, let's see, quit challenging police, stop strong armed robberies, quit peddling illegal items, don't sell drugs, don't point, ETC. Um, and uh, another one says, uh, when we uh, pose this question uh, on uh, Twitter, how can we stop the deaths of unarmed black men like Freddie Gray, Michael Brown, Eric Garner, Tamir Rice at the hands of police officers? Uh, Memphis tweets, get their ass in education and stay off the streets. That's how. Well, 
Who's paying for the education? Hmm. Interesting. How do they get one? Not a fair playing field, right? Um, and uh, let me see, let me see, let me see. Uh, another says, um, how about behavior towards authorities by the black race? Just to me, the mindset of somebody that uses that terminology, the black race, right? Another tweets, make them take civil sensitivity courses on how not to be ignorant and irresponsible human beings. Where do you get that and that feeling, okay? Um, a gay patriot says, easy, teach our kids the difference between right and wrong and not to resist arrest. By the way, folks, don't resist arrest. I don't care what color you are, right? Don't resist arrest. They got the guns. They got the power, okay? Um, Steve says, by telling black, black people to stop being idiots when approached by police. Well, that's pretty bad generalization. Uh, T. Mitch says, I don't think the city will, city will stand down this time. Uh, D.D. Mao tweets, shoot anyone that takes the law into their own hands. Parents, teach your children well. Well, pretty soon everybody's going to be armed. I guess my kids will be getting guns in their stockings at Christmas if Donald Trump's president because we are going to have gun-free zones. Uh, Bill says, what is the percentage of the population affected by this crime? Well, if it affects one life, and it did, Freddie Gray, doesn't that matter, Bill? Another one says, who gives a crap if they burn that rat hole down? Uh, we're trying. We're busy trying to make a living. You know what? I understand some people have negative attitudes towards certain segments of our population based on race or cities, based on its uh, population demographics of that population. But the overwhelming majority of people in Baltimore, regardless of the color of their skin, are law-abiding citizens who are also trying to make a living. Mr. Twitter poster. Uh, and another one said, Black Lives Matter. Um, it's supremacist ideologues that co-sign state-sanctioned murders. Um, haven't we done an, uh, um, have we done enough to curb uh, this uh, violence? Another one said, they said, F the police. Okay? And then somebody put, so the police said, F you and your 911 call. I'll get to your dying homeboy when I finish my coffee. Ooh. Another one says, Sherry tweets, it could have been prevented. It needs to never happen again. We need to learn so we will not have another heartbroken family. And uh, the list goes on and on and on. Another tweets, uh, we weren't there. We do not know how or if Freddie Gray was ever secured in that van. Prosecuting all of these officers is wrong. Mary tweets, example of police immunity, a license to kill. And uh, Michelle says, another red herring by Democrats to distract from the liberal policies ruining America. Uh, Let's go to somebody on the line now, Michael in the Bronx. And uh, Michael, thank you for joining us on line two. What's your take? You're an African-American man. And I wanted to take you after I read these tweets because I read them during the break. And I was, as a white woman, horrified. How does it make you feel to hear some of these comments on Twitter regarding Mr. Gray and that he's a black man because you are a black man? I am outraged. I am so pissed off beyond belief, Leslie, because let's, let's get something straight for all you right-wingers that are tweeting and listening to this. And God help me that I don't have a heart attack getting so mad over this. The thing is, I don't care what rap sheet Freddie Gray may have had. To me, that's just a lame-ass excuse as to what happened in that um, transport ban. These cops still haven't explained why they went off route. They haven't explained why they haven't secured him as required by law in in the um, with the seatbelt. And you know the lies and the cover-ups and the justification of yet another black person. Um, just 
the case of another black person being killed by police. I'm so sick of the systemic pattern. Freddie Gray, like the rest of us, were, was a human being. He bled the same color as you and I, folks. So let's get that straight and stop um, degrading or degrading the deceased, but taking away or diminishing the fact that he was a human being. All right? The second thing is that I am so sick of police engaging in such criminal actions, and I'm calling it criminal actions because anybody else would have been arrested and convicted and locked up, thrown away the key. But just because someone happened to have a badge and a uniform on, you know, I hear these tweets saying, don't act crazy towards the police. How about the police not acting crazy towards us? Because there's some people who do not deserve to have a badge and a gun and degrade the profession. Cops that were former school bullies, as I learned from a psychologist on another radio station, why the hell are they serving in in the police department? It's supposed to be to protect and serve and to enforce the law, but then time and again you find cops that are acting more gangster than the people that are dressing looking like gangsters. All right. We are out of time. Sorry to get to every call. Michael, you ended the show for us today. Thank you to Marky Mark and to Andrew, my great crew, and to all of you. I'm Leslie Marshall. Be sure to join us tomorrow. Always a lot going on. And if you're up early, uh, catch me online on uh, George Hooks, the right hook on radio in Dublin, Ireland. Ireland. I'll have my Guinness with me. That's a very bad accent. Have a good afternoon and evening.